You know the saying, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And it's true. These days, people are sick. There are loads of information about how to be healthy. And they say, make sure you do this or that. And then in the same breath, you hear the other sources cite the exact opposite. Now what? You want, we all want, the best chance of feeling good and living long, right? What people need is the latest science, studies, and statistics. You can double check this yourself. We have with us today Dr. Eric Trias here to help. Your job is to listen and do something if you want. Your choice. Dr. Eric is reputable. U of M Medical School, family practice, 31 years at Twin Cities HMO, 12 years as the medical director, 17 years as clinical professor of family practice, and retired in 2014. Here's the thing. He is not paid by me or anyone, and he's not selling anything. His talks here and elsewhere are his gift and contribution for a better world. He would like to be seen as a healer, not as a clinician. So he's here for free and trying to help as many people as possible. He's even willing to talk to your group. Just reach out to St. Crispin and ask for the chaplain. That's me. I will get you in contact with him. These five pillars are the foundation of being healthy. They are cheap, not another pill. They're effective and they're simple, but you need to do the work. These five pillars will give you the best chance of feeling good and living long. Who doesn't want that? Remember that first quote about being healthy? Here's the follow-up by the same author. We all have circumstances. Choose not to live in your circumstance, but live your vision. What is your vision? Live it. With that, I am thrilled to announce for the very first time on Senior Smarts, Dr. Eric Trias. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Eric. Thank you, Debbie. I'm, uh, I am really happy to be here uh, and have the uh, opportunity to talk to your audience about not only living long, but living healthy through those years as well. So thank you very much. You're welcome. And I'm just so thrilled. Um, I've heard Dr. Eric talk a couple of times now, and this is beneficial stuff for everybody. And like I said, it's cheap and it's easy. And I don't want to blab on. I want you to learn as much as you can from Dr. Eric. So would you start to tell us who this audience is that you're trying to reach and the basics of what even got you rolling on this subject to say, I want to talk to people about this. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, first of all, as I kept reading, even though I retired, it was very obvious to me that there's a lot of information out there that is really good, well-documented, well-studied, uh, and needs to be kind of brought to the public. It isn't talked about. Uh, you don't necessarily get it in your doctor's office because they're very busy and they have um, their science that they want to portray, which is pretty much taking care of illness, not necessarily looking for long-term um, wellness and health, even though that, of course, is a goal of all physicians as well. Um, so as I practiced many years, and it was a successful practice, and I enjoyed it, and I, I got along with my patients very well, and I loved my coworkers, and everything was good, and, and this large HMO that I worked for was very good to me and very nurturing to me. And so I was, I was very happy to practice there, but I got to be close to 60 years old, and I thought, well, I want to retire with uh, some more energy and vigor and do things with my son and daughter and go camping and doing all sorts of uh, more um, active things as long as I had my health. Um, and so I did that. Uh, however, I also had time, time that I really didn't have before. I, you know, you 
physician's day is a very long day and you don't read for enjoyment necessarily. You read for what you have to read. And so when I had this time to sit down with my wife and start reading, of course, my natural inclination is to go toward the sciences. And as I did that, I started reading about these concepts I'm going to share with you today that were quite profound and very different than what I'd learned through my practice. Um, but I'm not a, I'm not a first, I don't jump into things right away. I, you know, from practicing with the patients, sometimes things look very good on the surface, like new medications or things like that. And the more you get into it, the more I realize there's more side effects, and some of them get pulled from the market. And so I was not an early you know, um, advocate of new procedures and things until it was really tried and true. So when I started reading about these things, um, it was it was very profound to me and so very different than what I'd learned in, in my practice of medicine. Uh, and so it took a while. It took actually six months of reading about this and almost every day about reading it to see, is this really true? And at the end, it was like, there's so many studies out there. There's well over 1,500 studies that talk about this thing that I'm going to talk about in a little bit called the microbiome. And, uh, and it, it just was so eye-opening. And as I really put it all together, I could, for the first time, unfortunately, after I retired, for the first time ever, I could see the continuum of what we do that will take us through behaviors and result in health. Or, if you don't do it right, will result in disease. And so I never had that idea going through practice of, of what, how it was all connected. And now, finally, I had that, that connection, how it all related. In fact, 90% of all disease is preventable or at least modifiable by our behaviors and what we're exposed to or not. So I'm sorry, I have to interrupt right there. And I want you to repeat that statistic again, because it's mind boggling. That's right. You know, back in the 70s, through our own university in Minnesota, uh, they did the twin studies, which showed a lot of very interesting things about genetics and how genetics interplays with us. So taken from that, everybody jumped on and said that, well, most things are genetic. You know what? They're not. Less than 10% of our diseases are genetic. There are genetics that play out if you do the wrong thing, but if you do the right thing, you don't have to get diabetes type 2 or even Alzheimer's as we're starting to understand. So 90% of disease and illness, including depression, autism, all sorts of maladies that you wouldn't think are included in this, are preventable or modifiable, meaning they can be, if you have them, you can do things to minimize their, uh, their impact on you. So um, that part in itself is exciting because it gives us our own abilities are, if we do the right things, if we learn the right things, um, we can actually make a difference for ourselves. You know, as you're even saying that, Dr. Eric, I'm thinking of, you know, what are, if, if we sit down any group of adults and say, what do we know we should do? I mean, like when you go to the dentist too. Mm-hmm. And with me, I always think, ah, oh, they're going to chew me out for not flossing. I know I should floss, but I don't like it as much and whatever. But I mean, like with our health too. So when we sit down with a group of people, if we'd say, what do we know we should do? I would think people can hit some of the the high points of what you're going to talk about here. So I think what you're leading into is the fact that it's not the doctors that are going to make us well. It's not the doctors who are going to keep us healthy. It's not the doctors um, who, who are the magicians here. It's that we need to take responsibility for our own health starting today when we hear this and say, 
ah, fine, okay, do I care about my health? Do I want to be well or get well or live a healthier lifestyle? And then these are my high points. So that's what we're going to focus on in this show and a number of shows after this where we're going to really focus and drill down what are the basics of what Dr. Eric is telling us. So from what I'm understanding and what I want you to understand as the listeners before we even get into the specifics is, number one, this is your job, your responsibility. So we're not going to blame anybody around us. We're going to say, if I want to be healthy, I'm going to have to make steps. Got it? Okay. Very good. Let's dive in and start. Yes, that's very well put. Probably better than I can do. Thank <laughs> I'm you. I'm a mom. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's true. And, and one of the ways to help understand the steps of doing that is to first understand this progression that we might take to illness. So it's to understand how disease occurs. And through each of those steps, we talk about what you can do to, to prevent that or improve that. Um, but that's that's very well put. And so uh, for me, you, you got to start at the beginning to understand the end. Absolutely. And so to start at the beginning, it, you know, you talked about the five pillars of health. And how I how those relate is that they all have a physical or physiologic basis for why they work. You know, you've always heard, well, you sleep eight hours a day or drink eight glasses of water. Well, it's nice to know that that is the case, but why is it? Uh, as a practitioner, um, I think one of my gifts to patients was not that I was any brighter than any of my doctors. There's a lot of smart guys out there, gals out there. Um, but it was that I was able to actually tell things in their terms of what caused this and what can you do to improve it. Not necessarily, here's your pill, here's your procedure, you know, and go about your way. Um, and so it, it's very important for people to understand why they're taking that pill or, or doing that exercise. And so without getting too far down into, you know, the technical terms and whatnot, although I'll be using some of those, um, you, we need to understand why it is. So it's more, it's like, okay, well, that makes sense. Yes, yeah, sure, I'll take this vitamin or whatever it might be. And so um, it's important to know why things happen to us. Right. So the first, so when I mentioned the pillars of health, five pillars of health, um, and I, I, I'll just name them. The first one, and not in order of their importance, they're all important, and they all have physical connection to this process I'm going to tell you about of how, of how to stay healthy or get disease. Uh, and so we'll we'll touch on those as I go through all that. But there, those five pillars are number one, sleep; number two, nutrition; number three, exercise; number four, and this is kind of a newer uh, realm of study. It's relationships and how they interact with our health. And the fifth one is stress. Stress has been talked about for a lot of years, but. How do you put in it? How do you put numbers to that, or how can you study that in such a way that is true? Well, my 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 question to you, and I, I've never heard this mentioned before, uh, with health is relationships. That's a new one for me. Yeah, it's amazing. the The studies coming out, you know, if you don't study it, you don't know what that has to bring to you, right? And so, what has been to, it's it's kind of amazing to me as well. People in isolation people that don't have good 
community relationships, whether that be clubs or good friends or relatives or a church or some connection to other people. And it doesn't have to be high-level, deep conversations. It's just the human interaction. Those who don't have that, if they have it long enough, I, I don't know exactly the parameters of the study that said this, but if you don't have those connections long enough, you have the same health risk as if you smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. Pretty profound. How something so external doesn't even touch us. We don't, we don't inhale or drink or anything that would cause a, you know, a toxic reaction. It's the physical, it's the lack of physical presence. It's the lack of interaction with other humans that create this malady. And as we get into it later in the talks, we'll talk about that, that pillar as how it affects us. Actually, physiologically, what happens to our stress hormones? What happens to our, our blood pressure? And all those other things that actually happen because of, of not being loved or not being able to love, essentially. That's really stunning, and I've got lots of stuff that's rolling through my brain. And even when you're talking about isolation, I was thinking, we watch Channel 2 with this guy named Dick Prennicky. You guys might know him. And he went off to Alaska somewhere and built a log cabin by himself, lived by himself. But you know what? He was never isolated because, um, like, every six months people would bring him some supplies. But every single day he communicated. Right. Because... He recorded his life, what he was doing, how he built things, when he went hunting, that kind of thing. And also he wrote in his diary. And so he had um, an active communication every single day. So isolation can be different things to different people. But I think what you would say then for the most part, though, is that human beings inter interact with other human beings. So we have that connectedness. Absolutely. And I think you had a gentleman that I've read, and I haven't met him, I'd like to at some point, uh, Dan Butner, or Dan Bittner, I'm mm -hmm, not sure mm -hmm. how you pronounce the last name. Um, and he wrote a very nice book uh, called The Blue Zones. And The Blue Zones went through, and very well, it's very easy reading and, and very enlightening. And one of, the, one of the things that he came up with is nine points of, of what is consistent throughout all these independent societies was social interaction. Yes. These people had a daily contact. People stopped by and, and they laughed. And, and laughter in itself is, is a powerful medicine. Yes. In fact, uh, one of our previous popes, when asked, essentially on his deathbed, um, what did you miss? What would you like to do more? And he didn't say, I wanted to work more. That was not on his deathbed, yeah, what I yeah. wish I would do. It was, I wish I would have laughed more in life. Oh, laughter as, yeah. as therapy. And there's actually studies that show laughter brings better health to you. So it is the human touch, if you will, uh, that uh, that is healthy and, and we all need. And it's interesting you should say that about this gentleman that went to Alaska. So he had this imaginary audience. Yeah. So he was speaking to the audience, which became real because he yes. must have published something and talked about it and gone, gone on his talks. But he in itself, he was communicating. That was a one-way communication, but you always anticipate, well, what are they, what questions will they ask me? And so, so he had this interaction, but I'm talking about the people who have foregone those interactions in their life. They've, right. they've left those, those communications, whether faulty interactions or just don't have anybody there, and just live within themselves. Those are the folks that have uh, this isolationist-related illness. Sure, sure. All right, I think we'll have to wait uh, for the next segment for more, I guess. Well, good. You uh, know, um, we're, we're going to record as many shows as we need to. We're going to take our time, and we're going to cover all these bases. So stay tuned and tune back in next week for another edition of The Five Pillars with Dr. Eric Trias. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you very much.